0: Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Natchang Rumshe. Chapter 14, Naked Breakfast. I hadn't got to know anyone on my illustration year particularly well. This was, of course, because my social life was located in Hotwells with Penelope, Rebecca and Merrill. I was naturally cordial but frequenting pubs was not possible if I wished to avoid inhaling cigarette smoke. The other factor was the somewhat irksome presence of Todd Wellcome and Veranda Nugent. I was, to them, an interloper from the deranged demimonde of the sixties. I was a working class upstart with irritating literary pretensions. The most vexing aspect of our interactions, for them, was that they tended to twit themselves through their attempts to twit me. I never set out to upstage them or make them look stupid, but by one means or another, they seemed to arrange it by themselves. This infuriated them and predisposed them to passive-aggressive hostility and to making sure the other students on my year were cautioned as to my being partially deranged. It was the time of the annual etching course that occurred outside the art school, so there we were in Nettlemere Court in the depths of Dorset. It could have been utterly delightful, and in most ways it was. But Todd and Veranda were basking in the vague sense that Roderick Peters was there as their advocate. Roderick Peters, second in command of the illustration department, was a good, conscientious, ethical man. He was a fine draughtsman and meticulous lecturer, but he viewed me with the very faintest degree of derision and slight amusement. He had no time for alternative lifestyles. He saw the hippie ethos, even though it didn't really apply to me that much, as something that needed to disappear. He viewed Todd and Veranda as a worthy young English couple who were professionally attuned and bound for successful careers in the world of illustration. Todd and Veranda were not weird, even though they were peculiar as art students in being hostile to weirdness. That, however, seemed to endear them to Roderick Peters. Todd and Veranda did not follow an Eastern religion. That was true of many art students, of course, but they were overtly Anglican. They also seemed offended by my atheism, even though I never referred to it unless asked a direct question. Todd and Veranda dressed conservatively, camel cashmere sweaters, olive green corduroy trousers and other such modestly hued raiment. This actually made oddities of them at art school, but they affected not to be aware of being unconventional in that sense. No one noticed my clothing, but their conservative club clothing made some people assume they were officials visiting the art school on some bureaucratic errand. Nettlemere Court was the venue for our first residential week. An entire week of etching lay ahead of me. So, even with a tiresome social setting, I would have a marvellous time. I would simply work. I was used to social isolation, so speaking when spoken to and writing poetry in the evenings would keep me from irritating Todd and Veranda. You're unusually quiet, Vic, Roderick commented with a warm smile after dinner on the second evening. Sorry, I replied, I'm rather absorbed with poetry and... I've reached something of an impasse. I usually have recourse to a thesaurus at home. That usually provides inspiration at times like this. I should have brought it with me. I could see Todd in my peripheral vision, and he was evidently having to hold himself back from some snide remark concerning my poetry. It wouldn't do for Todd to give any sign of his usual playground behaviour in front of Roderick. They may have one here in the house that you could borrow. I'll ask Geoffrey when I see him. I'm just off to see him about the arrangements for tomorrow. Thank you, Roderick, that's most kind of you. Roderick gave me a warm smile and I almost got the impression that he was reassessing me. Maybe I was sane after all. I wondered what Todd and Veranda had told him about me. It didn't worry me what anyone thought about me apart from Derek Crow and my friends. The ladies in the illustration year were all cordial enough and would exchange words with me from time to time but I was evidently something of an outsider even to them. I'd arrived early and explored the meadows and woods a little around Nettlemere Court. There was a fabulous diminutive wooded ravine with a small river that ran almost like a torrent in parts through the ravine and out through the undulating meadows. It was too good not to explore, and so I walked up the river until I found myself on the banks of a deep pool with a stony bottom. I grinned at it. Suddenly, I knew where I was going before breakfast in the morning. A plunge into cold water first thing in the morning is an ideal way to start the day and gives a person a keen desire for breakfast. It was thus that I set out for my early morning plunge and returned just as the others were seating themselves at the breakfast table. I didn't expect you to be an early riser, Vic, smiled Roderick. Have you been out exploring the countryside? Roderick evidently heartily approved of early rising and country walking so I was treated to the pleasant sensation of his unwithheld approval. Maybe he was coming to understand that I was fairly normal in many ways. I explored a little yesterday and found a lovely little pool up the river in the culvert of trees at the end of the meadow behind the house so I've just been for a pre-breakfast plunge, and jolly nice it was too. Good for you, good for you, Roderick exclaimed with genuine enthusiasm. I may take a dip myself before I leave here. I noticed Todd and Veranda looking aghast as Roderick and I exchanged pleasantries about the joys of nature and the pleasure of a cold plunge. They said nothing, but looked as if they'd found themselves in an unexpected hallucination. Victor Simerson and Roderick Peters engaged in conversation on a subject of mutual interest. This was obviously not a pleasing turn of events for them. There was some general discussion of the horrors of a cold plunge, but Roderick and I assured the gathering that, although it was a shock, one warmed up very quickly, once clothed, and that it gave a sense of wellness of being that was remarkable. That being said, I set to and consumed a hearty breakfast. The day went well. I found myself in the etching studio which had not been chosen by Todd and Veranda. Roderick was also mainly located in the other studio but came to see what we were doing from time to time. I decided to investigate mezzotint and began working on a large copper plate. I had to pay extra for that because it wasn't part of the package but I was gleeful to explore a new process. I loved etching, but it played hell with my skin, vis-à-vis the turpentine for cleaning off the straw hat and white spirit for cleaning off the ink. I'd spent a week down in fine art in the printmaking studio the week before and my hands had been rather the worse for wear by the end of the time. Mezzotint requires a device like a chisel, roughly three or four inches wide with a curved blade. The flat of the chisel is engraved with lines which create a serrated edge on the chisel. The idea is to rock this chisel across the surface of the copper plate in a pattern roughly corresponding to the union jack in order to roughen up the copper plate. The plate is then inked and printed and if it prints a uniform black the plate is ready to be worked upon. The idea is to burnish away any area that you wish to print in shades of grey or whatever colour ink is chosen. If you burnish too much away you could simply use the chisel to roughen the area a little more and then burnish back to the desired level of grey areas to be left white were simply burnished to a reflective shine my subject was the culvert of trees and the flowing line of meadows bounded by dry stone walling and stunted bushes roderick was evidently pleased with my choice of subject and rejoiced in its lack of surrealism. I wondered just how crazy Todd and Veranda had made me out to be. I said nothing about the nature of my observations and worked through the day, alternating in burnishing the copper plate and taking more detailed studies of the hedgerows. I'd decided that I would produce a collection of supportive studies that would accompany the mezzotint and use elements of these studies within. It was a good first day, followed by a good night's sleep, and in the morning I went for my second plunge. As I gained the surface of the pool, however, I caught sight of Todd, Escaping from the scene with my clothes and towel. That was a surprise. What to do? It was an irritating situation, and I wondered just how infantile Todd was likely to become. I waited on the bank for a while, but Todd showed no sign of reappearing. Nothing for it. I decided to walk back to the house. There was no point in standing under the trees, cold and wet. At least the sun was shining out in the meadows and the exertion of the walk would probably warm me up somewhat. I remembered the words of Dujjum With each life circumstance, whatever is enacted, stare directly into the enactment with all the senses. As I proceeded across the meadow, I caught sight of Roderick, who was evidently on his way to intercept me. Vic, I have no objection to naturism, but you really can't expect to walk into the house like that. What gave you the idea that this is acceptable? It wasn't my choice, Roderick. I'm afraid Todd went off with my clothes while I was in the pool, and by the time I got out of the water, he was nowhere to be seen. Dear me, schoolboy pranks. But why didn't you just wait for him to come back? He surely intended to come back. Well, I did wait for a while, And I did call out a few times, but in the end I started feeling too cold to stand there like an idiot. So you just decided to walk back and how did you think to make your way into the house without being seen? To be honest, Roderick, I didn't really think too much about it. I was cold and wanted to get some clothes on and eat breakfast. And I didn't think anyone was likely to die of shock or whatever. So you would have just walked into the house naked? What other choice would I have had? Well, Roderick mumbled, unable to find an immediate answer. I suppose you could have called for help from behind one of the bushes outside the house. I grinned very slightly. And said, Help? Oh, yes, I see. Do take my sweater. It's quite long and should cover all eventualities. I should have offered it immediately, but I was somewhat taken aback by. Thank you, Roderick. I appreciate that. I am rather cold, as you can imagine. And with that, we walked back to the house. Roderick was a little silent at first, as if he were ruminating. I'm sorry if I seemed critical and unsympathetic, Vic. I was simply rather surprised, and your unusual degree of composure, striding naked across the field, led me to imagine, well, I thought you were doing something to shock. I can understand that, Roderick. I suppose most people would have grabbed a piece of hedgerow or something. But I think I would have felt more humiliated by that than by being blasé about my situation. Yes, of course, I can see that there is more dignity in, well, yes, less said the better, I think. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to breakfast. The bacon here is marvellous, as are the fried eggs and granary toast. You will have done more than your share to earn it this morning, I feel. And with that, we entered the house, and I ascended the staircase to equip myself with clothing more to my taste than Roderick's massive, ungainly fisherman's sweater.